that idea of a rock bottom was something that went round and round in my head for a really long time. Um, I was of the mind that for somebody to choose a sober life, they had to have hit that rock bottom, that there would have been something in their life that was the defining moment, that was perhaps the intervention or the time when they woke up having either done something so dreadful or been the victim of something so dreadful that the rock bottom was the place where they simply had to push back up from and it was something that didn't sit quite right with me um, I probably it's easier to describe as a series of low points over a very long time you're listening to the recovered life show the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to the Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by Sarah Williamson. Sarah is a recovery coach based in the United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me. So glad to have you. And I'm very uh, excited about our topic today. And, you know, we had had a, a, pr a previous conversation about that you don't have to hit rock bottom to get sober. And you have such an interesting sobriety story. And you're definitely an example of that where someone who I would say, you know, jumped off the boat <laughs> before a fiery crash, right? And you're definitely a testament in the, in the work that you do as a recovery coach really emphasizes that, hey, if drinking's a problem for you, you can stop. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that idea of a rock bottom was something that went round and round in my head for a really long time. Um, I was of the mind that for somebody to choose a sober life, they had to have hit that rock bottom, that there would have been something in their life that was the defining moment that was perhaps the intervention or the time when they woke up having either done something so dreadful or been the victim of something so dreadful that the rock bottom was the place where they simply had to push back up from and it was something that didn't sit quite right with me um I probably it's easier to describe as a series of low points over a very long time um and any one of those low points themselves could have turned into disastrous rock bottoms had I pushed the button any further than I was pushing it. Um, and for me, my, my series of, of troubling incidences eventually added up to what was my version of a rock bottom, my version of the place when I wanted to and decided to change, but it was not that spectacular war story that I have to tell afterwards that, you know, this was my defining moment that was so dreadful beyond all others. And I am incredibly grateful not to have that scale of war story. Yeah. Um, you you, you know, talk about an unfolding that yeah. I was listening to a YouTube video that you did about how it was a series of incidents that all yeah. combined and none of them were overly dramatic, right? Each yeah. individual one, you, you, you just talk about waking up and, you know, not being able to recall certain things. And, you know, it was very interesting how you describe that process. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the ones that sticks particularly in my mind was an average Friday night, um, end of the working week, um, probably we'd eaten dinner, um, crashed on the sofa with a large glass of wine in hand, just thinking to myself, you know, the week is done, it's the weekend, just going to zone out, numb out for a bit, you know, this is how my weekend is going to start off or, you know, and predict, be able to predict how it was going to end up. And I suddenly had this thought to myself that in the very room where I was sitting was my lovely husband, my two beautiful kids, my dog in a house that's lovely in a town that we love. And I had this realization that everything I ever dreamed of was in this room right here, right now with me. What am I doing with this tool in my hand that is taking me away from everything that I wished for and making me slightly unavailable to my kids and slightly out, slightly buzzed? And I thought, this isn't, this isn't the thing that, you know, this is my moment to be present with my kids on a Friday night to enjoy the rest of the weekend that's coming up. And that was one example. And another one involving my kids was that thought process around how so much of parenting is modeling. And hey, I can tell my kids 10 times to do something and they will choose to ignore me as many times as they like. And the real magic in parenting is is showing your kids what you want them to do rather than keep on telling them or asking them endlessly. And I came to question what I was showing my kids with my behaviours of choosing alcohol as a way to relax. There are so many better ways to relax. Why wasn't I showing my kids what they were? Um, So it was a whole bunch of um, very conscious little bolts from the blue that really struck me and then also as you say the waking up with the bits of not remembering what went on the bits of you know leaving my phone in the back of a taxi the bits of you know the the stuff that all added up to a bigger picture that was painting into something that I didn't really love the look of yeah what's interesting about your story and your work and why I wanted to have you on the show is that there's a lot of emphasis on being alcoholic, not being alcoholic, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, this, this, this label of it. And, you know, and I think the label is helpful, uh, especially with people who are alcoholic, right? Um, and there might be people that, that, that we discussed and, you know, and I've met them that are, you know, they have an addiction problem. Alcohol really doesn't work for them. It's, it's a slow erosion. Maybe mm-hmm. they will become alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they already are. But it's not a fiery crash scene, right? It's not, it's not the big DUI. It's not getting, you know, ripped out of your house and arrested. It's not losing everything in a in a dumpster kind of story that we associate a lot. And why I think it's so beneficial, the story that you tell is, is that you really talk about being able to make the decision of like, hey, you know what? I don't have that huge rock bottom story, but this no longer works for me. And, and I can make a different choice. Yeah. And you're exactly right about that. That for me, it was about me taking the choice in my hands because I wasn't a part of any of those dreadful 
scenes you beautifully described, I didn't have anybody else coming in and saying to me, you have to change or you need to change. These were the thoughts that didn't exist in my or, or instructions or or external influences that were happening. The thing that happened in my head was I want to change and I don't like the direction that this is heading in. Um, my choice was from an empowered place. I very consciously and and tied up in all of that was the thought that I was going to make this choice joyfully. I was not going to say I'm going to be sober and I am going to feel deprived and naffed off about it and unhappy and miserable. I'm going to make this choice and it's going to be great. Yeah, I think that that's a very, I think that's an important distinction of just, you know, really wanting to do this because of a better life, right? Yeah. And willingness, I, I, look, and, and I think we would both agree, sometimes a dramatic moment can give you the willingness, right? Definitely. I know, sure. you know, in my drinking career, I had the dramatic, several dramatic moments, and that did help further my awareness that, hey, this is a problem for me. This is no longer working for me, right? Yeah. But you know, it doesn't have to get to that place. And I think that the, the great thing about recovery now in 2021 is that um, people stop until they, before they get there a lot more. And I've seen this in, in 12 step rooms, in support groups, you know, talking with therapists, people identified a lot more. So the awareness is, I think a lot more now in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Th than it used to be that you don't have to get to this place where everything is burning down and you have zero options. Mm -hmm. You can, mm -hmm. when you have options, you can start making decisions that are better for you. Yes. Yeah. I, I think in the UK, we are a little bit behind you in, in that way of thinking. Definitely um, in an average social setting still for me now will always be where if I'm, choosing a lime and soda water or something to drink that is not a glass of wine, there will always be a set of questions with an expectation that the answer would be, are you pregnant? Are you on medication? Are, are you an alcoholic? Those, those would be your reasons why you aren't drinking a glass of wine, you know, at, at some sort of social event. Um, but I feel happy to be... Um, forward of of where other people are going to get to at some point I feel very happy and I wasn't in the beginning but now I'm really pleased to say you know I'm not drinking because I feel better without it um, I'm not putting myself back into the place where I used to be yeah I I think the um you know what's fascinating about uh the sober curious movement too of people just saying hey you know what I'm going to take October off and yeah. not drink. And this is a big thing in the States right now that yeah. people are just going to take the month, month off as, as somebody who's alcoholic and, and been in recovery for a long time. I kind of laugh at it. Like, I don't get that really. Right. Okay. Yeah. But there are people that are on that spectrum, if we will. Right. They're, they're not quite there, but maybe they're on their way there. And, and I love your work because you deal a lot with the social aspect of it. Like mm -hmm. how can somebody decide that they, you know, Hey, this just no longer works for me. I don't know what label I am right now, but I know it doesn't work for me and I want to make the change and I'll figure that out later. 
as, as, as this unfolds, but how do I live day-to-day life if my spouse is still drinking or I have to go to a party and you provide a lot of those tips about yeah. how to, how to make that transition into a sober life easier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I navigate a lot around what I would call the gray area of drinking, which is a place where I would have considered myself to sit for a long time. Um, you know, if I were to think of my auntie Doris, who might only ever have drank a glass of sherry at Christmas and no more, and then consider there to be a spectrum that goes upwards from that. I bounced around for a long time in that zone of um, binge drinking, um, going through periods definitely of sobriety. You know, I was no stranger to dry January and sober October where I was doing those types of um, challenges, let's call them, to provide myself with the evidence that I didn't have a problem with it or, you know, to prove to my friends that I don't have a problem because look, I can just stop for a month. So therefore, you know, I'm okay. And what came out of all of that thinking over time was not so much about um, the ability to stop drinking for a little while, the ability to recognize that the binge drinking bits were doing me no favors whatsoever, more a question of how is this serving me overall? And the answer always was unequivocally that it isn't serving me at all. Um, But I had to keep on testing it. I kept going and testing it and getting it wrong over and over until I came to, to that conclusion, sort of along those series of, you know, small events that led up to, to the decision. And I think a lot of people sit in what I would call that gray area with their drinking, you know, not not quite being happy and comfortable with it, but also not being um, ready to make a change with it because they are worried about all of those questions that you just started to, you know, my spouse, how will I navigate a social event? That, that fear keeps people stuck. And yeah. if there's someone who can help, then that's good. And really, it is about getting unstuck and being able to unfold more right in your life. And, and, and I love what you were talking about earlier in, in the show about your children. And um, one of the benefits, I think, to the whole sober curious movement and people stopping drinking that don't have a problem with alcohol at all, really, they don't. And um, they're just stopping drinking is that it brings awareness that people can make a choice not to drink. And I think that this is good, you know, because our, you know, I remember as a, as a kid, you know, when I first got sober, somebody asked me, Hey, do you know anyone that's sober in your life? And I said, I don't know anyone who doesn't drink in my whole life. I was 28. I'd never met anyone. Maybe I did, but I didn't know it. Right. Yes. So I just didn't even, that wasn't even in my consciousness that, that someone could actually get and stay sober. It was a shock to me. And, you know, but now I see my kid, you know, we have open dialogues about, you know, drinking and people that, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I, I tell the kids, my nieces and nephews, Hey, listen, out of 10 people, two to three of the, of the, of the 10 people will have, will identify with some sort of addiction issue to a substance, whether that's drugs, alcohol, even shopping, gambling, any of that stuff. Right. So I think it's so imp- I think it's so important for the next generation to have this open dialogue so they don't feel that okay well hey 
everything's on fire in my life now. Now I have to make some sort of change and that this is the only option. That there was options long before that. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And and something my 13-year-old said just recently, we're, we're going on holiday next week and we were talking about the places that they'll be to eat nearby and, you know, what we're going to enjoy while we're there. And just in casual conversation, out of his mouth came, oh, well, you won't care about there not being um, wine or whatever it was, he said, because you don't drink. And it was just a real casual, yes, I don't drink, so it won't matter. And we carried on as we were, you know, the conversation diverted off somewhere else. And I thought, oh, I'm so pleased that he's got a frame of reference in his life where he can see that that doesn't have to be the path for him. He can, he's got someone in his life who he can see who's living a life that I hope looks good to him and doesn't involve any alcohol. Absolutely. Because whether or not uh, the, the kid ever has an alcohol problem, right? The odds of, of, of someone in his inner circle, a friend, a, a coworker, a schoolmate, somebody that is going to have it, that they can actually see, hey, that's a problem. Yeah. Like we can intervene here, right? Because there are statistics, look, statistically, there are going to be people that are alcoholics and drug addicts and have major addiction problems just in the tribe of people that we belong to in day-to-day life. And the ability to be able to see that and say, wow, you know what? Um, we can stop this before it gets to this place where there's no return. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, the holidays, we're talking about some of these sober practices. And I know a lot of times with your clients, you go over these sober practices. How am I going to do this sober? How am I going to do that sober? And, you know, we were talking the other day because the holidays are coming up and they're, they're really upon us, really, right? And we were talking about that. It's not even necessarily the alcohol uh, itself. It's the, it's the alcohol is woven into so much of the traditions mm. yeah. that we do, right? It's like, if, if we were allergic to strawberries, we just wouldn't eat strawberries and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But alcohol, doesn't it seem to be just woven into every tradition yeah. we have? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was having a crazy conversation um, with a friend just recently. One of the, I don't know if this sounds like something that would happen where you are, but um, part of the fundraising activities that goes on in schools here around Christmas fairs and um, Christmas markets and things in schools, um, one of my friend's um, kids had been there. They were having a non-uniform day. I know that's not a thing for you guys, but they were having a non-uniform day. And the contribution that the children were asked to bring into school to donate then to the school fair that was going on was to bring in a bottle of alcohol to donate to the school fair, asking the kids to bring in a bottle of alcohol to school. And I just thought, well, you know, the kids could have bought a pound in or could have bought a bar of soap or could have bought anything for the raffle, but they were specifically asked to bring a bottle of alcohol. Now, of course, plenty of parents will choose to send their kid in with a bottle of soda or whatever is right for for that household. But the fact that it's even sent home in a in a school letter, a communication that there will be four-year-olds walking into school on the day that they have to take their donation in with bottles of wine and bottles of beer. Um, 
what is going on? It's mad. And, you know, a head teacher put that out because she thought that was that was okay. No judgment. I wouldn't like to be a head teacher right now. Um, But, you know, all of the stuff that's tied up around Christmas for us, you know, our, our big work social nights out, our friendship group nights out, all of those things were so alcohol fueled in my life and and are in society general and now I'm really pleased to be able to choose different socializing activities in the run-up to Christmas as I would the same as the other 11 months in my year and I'm couldn't be happier about that yeah you know the alcohol is so infused in everything that we do and the advertising and the whole mythology behind alcohol, you know, any ad you see, any, any story you hear that's very pro alcohol always is glamorous. It's sexy. It's the best time that you've ever had. Um, and rarely are people's alcohol experiences like that, right? Rarely. I even look back, my alcohol experiences weren't really like that, but most of them. Right. And so it's so infused in everything we do and it's fed to us all the time. But this idea that like, hey, you know what? I don't have to go down that path. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a lot of people now too, uh, you know, because the, the the whole theme of this show really is just hitting rock bottom. I, I know pe- I have people in my life, especially younger people that um, that have come from homes that had alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever. And they're just, they, and they've never had a problem with drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol. And they've just made a choice that they just don't want that in their life, that it's not just a positive element in their life anymore. And that they're just deciding, Hey, you know what? I, I just don't, it just, it's just nothing that I really want to be involved with. And they just simply say no, right from the beginning. And how, you know, how powerful is that? Yeah. Brilliant choice. Yeah. I like it. So final thoughts here, Sarah, if people are out there and they're thinking, wow, you know what? I'm thinking about trying the sober thing, but you know, I really look, everything is okay. I, you know, I don't feel great about any of the stuff I'm doing, but it, you know, everything's okay. My house isn't burning to the ground. I haven't lost my job. The spouse hasn't walked out. The kids are still talking to me. What would yeah. be your message to them? Uh, my message to them would be that they are telling me a story that they are describing as not bad enough not bad enough to stop. And I would say that that is brilliant. Is it good enough for you? Is not bad enough, good enough, and exactly where you want to be? And if it is, then great. But that there is an alternative, and it's a really joyful alternative. And I started out without the intention to be sober for the rest of my life. I started out with what I called a little life experiment. And I decided that I wouldn't drink for a year just to see how my life felt without it. And in choosing a year as the goal, that felt like a stretch for me. That felt, I was a bit twitchy about whether it was possible or not, but because it felt like a stretch goal, I thought, okay, I'm going to go, go for this, set out and see how it did, how it goes. Now I've never looked back because I didn't realize the benefits that it was going to bring me back then. And if past me could go back and a future me could go back and chat to past me, I'd have a brilliant story to tell them. And that would be the brilliant story that I'd want to pass on to other people. 
Sarah Williamson, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where can they find about more about you and your work? Yep, I can be found on the website, drinklesslivebetter.com. Everything about me is on there. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're also going to put a full profile on Sarah on Recovered Life, so you can check her out there. And thanks so much for coming on today. It's been a joy. Thank you. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.